Welcome everyone to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. And this week's episode will be a little bit different. Um, for a number of weeks now, even months, I've had several people ask me to do an episode on school boards. And so we did an interview uh, with a, a school board um, association member, and we're holding that for a bit for a few reasons. But uh, in its place, we're going to have a um, webinar that we're going to share with you all. Uh, and what I love about it, one, it's called Great School Boards, Building a High Trust Team. Uh, the content is awesome. So we dive into the clarity around board and superintendent roles, shared vision around student success, accountability aligned to board and superintendent evaluations, and community engagement aligned to leadership development. And so the whole point of this conversation is how can we increase superintendent tenure? How can we train, uh, retrain, recruit quality school board members? And how can we improve community confidence, most importantly, in the school district? Uh, the two gentlemen you'll hear from today, uh, one is a former guest of ours, Kaheem Jackson, who's a United States Marine Corps veteran, but he's also a senior level government community relations professional, uh, has diverse experience at the federal, state and local government, advocacy, external relations, legislative affairs, issue management, bipartisan coalition building. He's an awesome man. Uh, again, we've had him on the podcast before. So if you uh, remember him from that episode, you should be excited to hear from him. Uh, I feel very blessed to know him. And then the other gentleman is a guy I've been fortunate enough to work with for a number of years now, um, Dr. James Schaefer. We all lovingly call him Marty. Uh, Marty has worked with Franklin Covey for several years now, but before he came to us, he served as a school board um, uh, the largest state uh, or district in Washington state. Uh, he's still on the school board. He was 18 years on the board, seven as president. His heart for this work and making sure that public schools are strong is one that will just, you'll hear it as soon as he starts talking. So uh, these two gentlemen did a webinar recently. Um, so I decided that we should use this content because we've, uh, this is just a topic that I know that we've wanted to talk about for some time. So I hope you enjoy it. I know it's a little bit unique, but the content I think is incredibly, is definitely worth it. And so as always, if you're a subscriber, thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. But most importantly, um, this whole, again, I, I say it all the time, this, this whole podcast exists to, to help you and to help others. And so if you hear something from Kaim or Marty that really resonate with you and that you want to share with someone in your life, please just forward this on to them. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Yes. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. How are you? How are you? We uh, are happy that you are joining us here for this webinar with Franklin Covey Education and a great boards. Uh, it is 2 p.m. West Coast time, uh, 5 p.m. East Coast time, and I am just delighted to be here with you all and to be with my colleague and friend, Dr. Marty Schaefer, to talk to you about Franklin Covey Great Boards. We like to start this webinar off uh, with our end in mind. And we have a picture up there that is very inclusive. Students in the classroom, because we know what matters most is that interaction between the teacher and the student. But we have a saying up there and it says, imagine what a student could achieve if he, she, they felt fully supported by a community truly committed to her, his, or their success. Let's just take a moment and tether on that. Imagine what a student could achieve if they felt fully supported by a school and a community fully committed to their success. 
That's where we start. And that's what we're in today, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Great Board. My name is Kai Jackson with Mission Strategy Group, a partner with Franklin Covey Education. And I'm joined here today, uh, like I said, by my colleague, Dr. Marty Schaefer, who will introduce uh, himself. Many of you are very familiar with Franklin Covey already. Franklin Covey is a world leader in helping organizations achieve results through changes in human behavior and organizational uh, management. A little bit about myself before we get started. Uh, I've been practicing leadership for 28 years, and I say practicing because it's always continual improvement, and I like to be a lifelong learner. I started my first career in the United States Marine Corps as an officer and an aviator. I spent time on Capitol Hill and the Pentagon working with the United States, uh, helping them to uh, uh, practice effective legislation uh, to support the, the goals of the United States Marine Corps, and then traveling the world with the United States House Democracy Partnership. After spending lots of time in the Marine Corps, I transitioned to education, where I worked with one of uh, the nation's largest school districts, San Diego Unified School District. I then transitioned as the Deputy State Superintendent of Public Instruction, here at the California Department of Education in California. Now I continue consulting in the education uh, space. So that's a little bit about me and Dr. Marty Schaefer will tell about himself as we uh, continue a little bit um, along, along our webinar. I'd like to just start off by saying, Marty and I are all in for public education. We are here for the students and we are here to support uh, the leaders of our schools. As far as our agenda today and what we'll talk about, you see four things up there. We'll provide a current landscape of what we're seeing uh, some, in some places locally and nationally. We'll talk about the studentscape and how we're gonna set our students up for success. We'll talk about building trust, and then we'll, we'll set aside uh, some time for discussion and Q&A at the end. A few years ago, around March and April of 2020, COVID-19 was upon us, and many of us thought it would be uh, something in passing. We thought a few weeks or maybe a month, but now we still find ourselves in the lingering effects of a global pandemic, social unrest, political polarization, and economic uncertainties. And we must ask ourselves, do we know what a great board and great district looks like and how it could impact our student success, school success, and our community? We're seeing now more than ever a lot of the discontent and the contention that's occurring at our school boards and within our communities. We've seen the uh, politicization of our public education, and it's time for a change. It's time to make sure that we can support um, our leaders, to make sure that our school leaders, school board members, and superintendents are representatives of our school district to the community and that we can increase the public trust in our public education system. It's never been more difficult to navigate. <laughs> I like this one, right, Marty? This is a great yes. one. It's, it's never been more difficult to navigate some of these complex systems. We're seeing historic levels of uh, superintendents transitioning out of their roles. We're seeing less and less incumbent board members running for re-election. And why is that? Because of the difficulties they're, they're facing right, because of everything that they're going through. But we know that there is a solution. We know that there's help on the way. And even more so, here's one thing I like to say, Marty, we know that they're not alone. We're in this together, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for bringing that up. And mm -hmm. 
I think it's interesting because you've been working in education in this education space for a long time, not to mention you have two real students, real people that you make sure that have the very best education that you can help them carve out. So your connection in terms of as a parent, much less somebody who really believes in education is remarkable. And I really appreciate and respect getting to work with you, Kai, on that. But we've talked about it and, and we look at these things such as the financial uncertainties that are kind of out there right now, especially as they're beginning to impact education. And a lot of our superintendents and school boards are now required to look at two, three, and even four-year budget cycles because of the uncertainties that they're looking at. As you said, there's a, a political polarization, and I know it hit really hard about two years ago, and a lot of us thought, well, that's going to you know, kind of go away too after the elections, and yet the election was so close. Now the it's more politically charged now probably than ever, and in the next two years with the presidential cycle, it's probably going to get more difficult, more complicated. And so we look at some of these things and just the social and civil unrest that we're seeing as well and, and the lack of trust people have and some of the things that just used to you know, work one way, now they don't work that way anymore, and so there's less confidence in it. So it is, it is really complicated. And what we're wanting to do is to be able to look at the things that matter the most, bring it together so that what we're able to do is find out the way that we can support uh, school districts, superintendents and school boards, all the way from the board into the classroom to be able to take the right things and move them forward in the midst of the whirlwind. The whirlwind's probably not going away is what we're saying but there is something that we can do about it. Marty, you got that right. You know, and uh, one of the things uh, that we hope to do, and we're talking to you out there in the uh, the audience, but Marty's gonna, Marty and I are going to have a, have a conversation here and you're going to be a party to it. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things, Marty, that we really want to do is to, one, extend the average tenure of a school board, of a superintendent and reduce school board turnover. Right. Maybe you can tell uh, those that are joining us, what is the uh, average tenureship of a superintendent nationwide? Yeah, the uh, the benefit of getting to work for Franklin Covey is that we have so much amazing uh, reach and research and evidence based analysis in the uh, last several decades of what's going on in the private sector, as well as in education. And what we're aware of in terms of change management, I know I'm going the long way of answering your question, but change management, Franklin Covey, this is what we do best. We're one of the leaders on the planet in change management, human behavior, and leadership uh, development. And what we know is that when an individual comes into an organization as a leader, you know, whether it's a CEO or superintendent, it's going to take about three years before you're really creating what we would call systemic change or sustainable change. So year one, you're kind of coming in and you're walking into a gray space, hopefully, where you're just uh, finding out who that district is, kind of the landscape. People call this the honeymoon period where, you, where you're able to come in and just get to know one another. And then as you're doing that, you recognize, OK, this is where we're at. and This is where we need to go. And so now we begin to start developing a plan. But before you have a plan, you know, you have to build a team. So year two Usually the organizational leaders are, are building their team. But then year three, you're actually ready to implement change and execute the strategies that you know that your team who has the right expertise and experience can get you there. So that's the way it works. It takes three years just to create uh, the opportunity to have systemic change. 
And yet the average tenure of a superintendent right now is two years and six months. And so that's very alarming to us. Well, I appreciate that, Marty. And and I'm going to ask our audience that are joining us, uh, I'm going to put a question here in the, in, the, in the chat box and they can join in. But why don't you tell uh, those joining us a little bit about you, why you joined the school board. We'll, we'll set some foundation, learn a little bit more about you before we kick this into high gear. Before you do that, I'm going to put a question in the chat box. I'd love to hear from uh if our audience could see that i'd love to hear from you how well do you think that a superintendent or board uh, member knows what they are getting into especially in year one all right what a great question and, and that you really set me up i thank you so about 19 years ago i decided i, well, I was asked to uh, fill somebody's vacancy on the school board i'm in washington state and there's a four-year election cycles and so somebody only made two years and felt like they needed to get off the board so they just asked me to fill tenure on that so i got on the board and i believe that when i got on i thought that what i was getting on for was just to do some behind the scenes work to support education because i believe in education education's had a dramatic impact on my life and uh you know i was the first child of my family my family is seven to actually get to go to college and that was uh, a long road, but the access uh, to education in college really changed my life remarkably. So I just wanted to get back to education. When I got on the board, what I uh, recognized is that the demands of the public, the people, my community, what they thought being on the board was very different than what I was thinking it was. And so I thought it was just doing that behind the scenes work. And yet very quickly, I got phone calls from the union president. I got phone calls from friends saying you need to fire the athletic director, all these things that I started, you know, thinking this, this isn't really what I signed up for. And um, quickly, what I learned is that the most important thing for us to create a healthy uh, educational system is to understand the importance of that relationship between the superintendent and the board. And so what I began doing in those 18 years, I used my urban planning undergraduate degree and started writing framework to build cohesive teams. When I got on the board and I recognized that a superintendent is part of the board, he's part of the team, or she is, but they're also the employee of that same team. So that this team that you're on is also your boss or supervisors. It's a very unique situation and very dynamic. So I recognized very quickly that if that's going to work, what we're going to have to do is to make sure that that board becomes one voice so that that superintendent doesn't have seven different people trying to tell her or him what to do, but that they come together with a, a clear understanding of what needs to be done. And they're able to team up with one voice of the board to be able to give support and, uh, and leadership to the superintendent. So that's kind of the pilgrimage in that. We were Washington State's large school board of the year in 2019 because of some of this work that we did around building cohesive teams. And then we really made a concerted effort to engage the community in a positive way. And so for seven of the last uh, years, we were also school board of distinction and state board work in that. We took that framework and we were able to bring it to Franklin Covey so that we could bring it to school districts across the United States and, and also uh, North America. And we, we've been working with uh, some 
uh, districts outside of North America now as well. So it's exciting to do this work. Marty, I appreciate that. Uh, and I appreciate the responses we're seeing there uh, in the in the chat box, right? I see uh, Julie mentioned, uh, not at all. We had one that did not realize it was a four-year term. She thought it was a one-year commitment, right? <laughs> and I see Stephen's answer and Nick's answer in there as well. And, uh, you know, we're right. Can we go to the next slide? I think those are or sort of good responses that help us lead into uh, to the uh, to the next slide. But once they're in that seat, they're leading the district, they're making decisions, and they're providing a path forward. And we see a couple of questions there that uh, we call application. You know, once you're in that seat, you have to deal with it. What are some of the concerns you are facing in your district? What is your plan to build student-centric initiatives and outcomes? Are you hopeful or are you confident in your team? I'd love to see some responses um, from those of you joining us today, but those are questions that districts have to deal with. And some folks join the board or become, you know, and, you know, and, and they're hopeful, but we all know that hope is not a course of action. Hope is not the full strategy, right? Dr. Schaefer likes to say, uh, it's not a course of action, but hope is the energy behind it that drives or can drive a strategy. And so once again, um, Marty, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I'd love for you to speak on some of those questions simultaneously. I'd love to hear from those that are joining us, if they can answer some of those questions. What are some of the concerns that you're facing in your district? And what is your plan to build student-centric initiatives? And then we're going to launch this thing into full drive. I like to say... <laughs> I like to say afterburner, being a, uh, a pilot in the former pilot in the Marine Corps, I like to use uh, military terminology, but over to you, Marty. Now, I appreciate it. And the, uh, the hope that most of us have is something that we bring, right? And it's either going to be solidified or we can unfortunately maybe lose it. When you have a team that solidifies, a team is what adds even more energy to that hope. And when it comes right down to it, what Kai and I know, is that if you're going to have to be a strong board, you're going to have to be a strong team. There has to be a cohesive team in the relationship between first, really, the, the superintendent and the board chair, but then the superintendent and the board in general. They've got to really know who they are and where they're going and be able to communicate it back to the communities that we serve. So I, I appreciate that and also acknowledge that if it isn't student-centric, like Nick Russo had said, then you don't even have your beginning point. We're in it because these human beings, students, are going to be the ones who are able to move us uh, into that next level of what we call collaborative problem solving. If you go to the next slide, you'll see what the private sector is saying about the way that they want to rely on students to come in and run their positions in their corporations or work workforce. They're saying that we need some ready now leaders and i think i find this fascinating because a lot of times what we're doing is we're looking at what we believe student success is and it's through a particular lens maybe it's through the lens of just education or academic achievement but when we look at it in terms of what is it that the corporations are looking for in terms of knowing and forecasting the type of individuals and humans that are going to have to come and uh, lead their their companies and their companies initiatives they're saying that they need leadership and people that, who can collaborate. So a way that we like to share this is we say it's really collaborative problem solving that is going to uh, enable students to come to a better understanding of what success looks like. 
So when we go back, if we would have gone back, we don't need to do that application question. And we look about being student centric. Part of that student success is going to be tied to being able to collaborate, to connect with other individuals and to be able to problem solve. So that's the exciting opportunity of getting to uh, move forward with a, a true definition of student success. We've been doing this for years and in, uh, Franklin Covey Education calls Leader Me. Leader Me is an opportunity to give the tools and the skill sets to create positive habits, to be a collaborative problem solver. And you know, the seven habits are called Leader Me. And when they are being employed in such a way that a school district can use it or a classroom or a school can use it, just to create a culture of leadership to where students aren't waiting to get to be a leaders, they're implementing and practicing leadership now. So we're trying to hit this all the way from what we would call the boardroom being a strong team of leaders all the way to the classroom. So the, the question then becomes, how do you build a team so that you have that cohesive relationship between the superintendent and the school board? And what it's gonna come down to is that team is gonna be as connected as they trust one another. The superintendent trusts the board. They know that the board's there to support and uh, strengthen their opportunities to impact students. Then you're not going to see it two years and six months. You're gonna, those are the longer tenures because they know they're in it together. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning, Kai. If, it's nice to know that we're not in, a, in this alone. We need to have those other people that are giving us not only just the encouragement, sometimes the strategies to move the right initiatives forward. And so what we have to do here is if you're, if you're really going to create trust, friends, and I know we have some board members on the webinar today as well as superintendents and other administrators, but you're gonna, we're going to have to come to a place where we see that our, our, our role of creating trust as a board member is significant. It's so important. And one of the things that we have an opportunity to do as board members is to even help the public have trust in the professional educators of their babies, of their children, of their students, right? And so trust is the core of what it is that we do. And that is uh, being able to create these teams between the boards and the superintendent. So we look at trust having a very specific outcome and impact on a school district. And it begins really with these things, the tenure of the superintendent and the turnover of the board. It was interesting when you asked me about the tenure of a superintendent right now, and it was three years before the pandemic announced 2.6. Well, in the last election, they're saying that it was the very first time that more incumbent board directors did not choose to run than did. Incumbents or board directors are not running again. And it'd be interesting to ask in our chat, why do you believe that the board directors chose not to run in, this, in these last elections? And I think it's a great question. And when uh, you and I are out working with school districts, Guy. What we often hear is that it's just exhausting. It, it's so demanding uh, and difficult that some of the training that they need to be successful hasn't had, hasn't taken place. And so it, it's going to have to be to where we understand that board members are equipped to be able to stay that course and bring value to the district as well. Marty, what uh, what you're what you're bringing to my mind is that there are a couple things. One, I agree with you that boards need professional development. In some states, just basic governance training is not a requirement, right? And so let's just lay that out there that one, 
you know, it is, I think, relevant and important that that board members get the basic governance training to operate functionally. And then two, what we're talking about is something that supplements, but not supplants that governance training. We're talking about something that gives the governance training an extra boost, so to speak, to be efficient and be effective. You know, just let me go on that efficient and effective, right? Yeah, it's interesting. We've seen a lot of uh, governance training and governance training is important because we as board members need to understand that we're helping to create policy. Why do you create policy? Well, the policies should be in place so that the initiatives of the school district are able to move forward more effectively, right? School board members also need to know how to allocate resources to be able to make sure that the initiatives that they've asked to be set forward are funded so that they can. So finances are important. The protocols, the procedures, the adoption of curriculum, that's governance. But what's interesting is governance outside of an effective team doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do the heavy lift. In fact, the heavy lift requires team. And that's that's why I think it really does supplement governance training. We want people to get their governance training. And I'm glad some of the states require. We've seen a few that do. But governance training in and of itself doesn't always teach you how to be a cohesive team. And so that's what you're going to see later on here. If you'll go to the next section of this, you're going to see that we have a goal to do three things. And Kai, you already kind of hit on, on a segment of this, but it is at the heart of great boards to increase superintendent ten, tenure, but also to recruit as well as retrain, I mean, retain great school board directors, because at this point, we're going to have to start recruiting some people that have that right part and understanding what it means to be a school board director so that we have people serving in that capacity. And the last thing that's very important to us is to increase the community's confidence in the district and public education in general. So that's kind of why we're going. Go ahead and share what your thoughts are on that, Kyle. Marty, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I uh, I know you're going to the next slide. I didn't want to get ahead of you, but when we're on there, I'll come back to you. I want to touch on, um, John put a statement in there. I want to acknowledge that we need to to stop using generic statements such as what's best for children because each uh, board member has a specific specific viewpoint on what's best. We're going to touch on that when we get to the next slide, which outlines the four things that we think takes a board from good to great and helps create a great board. Absolutely. So now we what we've done so far in our webinars is got we've actually been given an opportunity to talk about the right things and having the conversation around the heart of, of students what's necessary to set them up for success and then to have that deeper conversation of what that looks like absolutely but the, we just want to make sure that we understand that there is a, a heart and a commitment component of it not just a governance component to it they have to both be working together and when you do then th the right things move forward and we believe that if you're going to if you're going to be an effective board or a high performing board you've got to get four things right and number one and friends, uh, I know these look really straightforward. What's interesting is in 18 years of being on the board, even though they're very straightforward, very few boards are doing all four of these things and doing them with fidelity. And so it is hard and the more demands on us um, and the more kind of the whirlwind out there, the harder it is to do these things. So that's why they must be uh, like foundational to the work of a board. But number one is you've got to have a clarity around the board and the superintendent roles. We need to know what it is that a board member is able to do and what the superintendent is doing. Basically, and, and 
click one more click for us and it'll pull it up. Basically what we're saying is we need to make sure that the board's managing the board, that the board chair and the board know how, what their roles are and they're managing that aspect of it in terms of the direction and vision, but they're not moving to management. And so who manages the board? The board and the board chair manage the board. Who manages the district? The superintendent is required and uh, to run the district. So we need to make sure that the board's not trying to manage the district. And we also don't want superintendents to have to feel like they need to manage the board. It would, if we can create effective boards and we understand our lanes and our roles, then we're not moving over into that area where we're counterproductive and trying to get out of our lanes and inadvertently creating issues for superintendents. So that's number one in the clarity. And then we look at it when we're meeting with school districts. What's interesting, a lot of them don't even have standard operating procedures to reinforce it. So this is an area where we need a little bit more work in most school districts. And number two is what the other gentleman already hit on, which is a shared vision around student success. And so when one individual stands up and says, this is what student success is, that's one individual. And it's good to hear that voice. Uh, as a school board director, maybe you have five or seven school board directors on the board. Their agendas, their voices, very important. Then we ask ourselves this question, though. Is the five to seven or however nine uh, school board members, are they fully reflective of even the community, right? And so do they really represent the demographics in our communities? And then, oh, by the way, do you have a student voice on that board? Or is the student voice really being elevated when you talk about student success? And so that's critical. And so we come in and, and do an all-day retreat. And of course, we've done some uh, front-end and back-end work on that in terms of setting it up to have that opportunity where you get to talk about a shared vision of student success, where you get to unpack it. And then you're able to say, because it's important to me and your views are important, when you put them together, you actually find that there's a greater collective story and narrative about student success than what one individual's or a few segments uh, are going to be able to achieve. We need the whole voice, and it needs to then solidify and become one voice. So that, that's hard work, but that's where, where we get to put our agendas down. It's where we get to bring our passion to the table and say, this is important, but this isn't the only thing that's important. Number three is that we move to what we call accountability aligned to evaluations. And so we want to work with school boards in such a way that they develop like a, uh, an accountability plan or board priorities and board goals that are high arching initiatives so that the superintendents and the districts are able to say, okay, we're going to implement those initiatives in and through these processes. And so these are the steps that they're going to do, the actions. And that way, the school board is able to say, we've heard from the community. Here's the initiatives that are important. And maybe they're only two to three, but they're very important initiatives. The superintendent and the school district builds the strategic plans in alignment, of course, with federal and state requirements to be able to move those initiatives forward in such a way that they're also able to now have the community's uh, connection to them where the community can go and say, yes, uh, I understand what's going on in the classroom and how my student's going to benefit from these particular strategies. Then we do uh, the evaluations that are so helpful in this sense, because we can look at it and say, did the, was the board able to come up with just a few of the initiatives? Were they right in the initiatives? Were the initiatives from the community that were community-centric, right? Did, did we take into an account the student voice? Did we allow the superintendent in the district to make sure that the professional education 
uh, structures are in place? What kind of policies, what kind of finances could we do? So we're able to see where our role really connects. And then we can evaluate ourselves based upon the support that we brought to those initiatives. And that's significant. And we know that we say it like this, what you evaluate, tolerate, and celebrate is what you get. And so we've got to have board evaluations. And of course, uh, it goes to say that, uh, you know, they're not a punitive thing. They're a tool for us to see the progress that we're making. That's, that's the heart of why we do the evaluations. And you'll see that there's a capital S that's bold and underlined after the word evaluation, because we know you've got to evaluate the board and the superintendent in a fair way that helps us to know how we can work together and support one another. That's what cohesive teams do. And we say, if you can get number one, two, and three down, if you really have that clarity around the roles, if you have a shared vision around student success and your teachers know it, your parents know it, your community, the district, the board, they know it, and they know what their part is to make it come into a reality. If you've done that, now you have your evaluations and you can see how you can move them forward, either accelerate it or make it go deeper. You understand that. Now you're really ready to engage the community. And so community engagement, if we jump ahead to community engagement before we've done these three things, usually community engagement looks like damage control. It's usually people that are upset or, or maybe they've got a, a narrative that they've controlled that they're trying to impose on other people. There can be all these different nuances to what community engagement can look like. But if we've done these three things and we've done them well and involved the community, now when you're really engaging the community, you're building meaningful partnerships, and they don't have a negative impact on the superintendent's plans to actually educate students. So we say basically community engagement will go down two lanes. One is that there's going to be a learning environment for students. That's the district side. School districts need to build a supportive learning environment for students. The community and the board are very integral to helping the community build a supportive living environment for children. And when those two come together, now we're at full speed. So that's how the, the four things work together. It'd be nice if it was easy, but if you go to the next slide, was this good news, bad news? The bad news is really hard work. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds good on paper, and yet uh, it's very doable, but it, it takes a very focused and uh, committed team to make it happen. And when the Education uh, Writers Association say this, you know that there's some difficulty out there. When they say that school boards are looking for God on a good day and that superintendents aren't feeling like they're living up to their potential, we know that it is difficult. And so whatever trainings we've had or haven't had before, uh, you know, they've gotten us to this level. We, we call our training great boards because we believe that we're going to need to do something great right now because it is hard. And so we're, we're expecting to be able to come together roll up our sleeves and have very meaningful conversations so that we can move the right initiatives forward. And we're willing to do the hard work to do it, but we wanna be trained in the areas that are gonna be effective. Our next slide will tell us that if you're gonna do that hard work, you really want trust embedded in it. The higher the level of trust, the more likely we're to take risks, the more likely we're to team up, the more likely we're to stay in that position, the more likely we're to keep our kids in the school district, right? It's all about trust, and it's interesting. We're either going to reinforce trust or we're going to move away. And, and we, right now, we need to move away you know, some, some mistrust as well that we're seeing. So this is where we have an opportunity to uh, come in and begin the training along that 
that team and that levels of trust. The trust then gets uh, expanded out to the community. Yeah. Thanks, Marty. I didn't mean to interrupt. You know, trust is so pivotal in, in this work and, and to being on a team, right? I don't think there's anybody who would who would um, disagree with that. Um, I do want to get to John's question. I think we'll get to it on the uh, on the next slide. But let me ask you this, and I think you know where I'm going. In terms of trust, trust is a two-way street, is it not? Always. It has to go both ways, right? So what's required, I mean, from a leader or being at a table, being on a board of leaders of leaders, what are some of those characteristics that are required to, to make, uh, make trust work? And maybe, Abby, if you can go back one slide. But what is required to make that trust work, foundationally speaking? I think you know where yeah. I'm going. It is. And so what what I like about the conversation, Kai, is that even if you don't trust me, you know, you and I have a high level of trust. So we've been working for a couple of years and, and we've moved from colleague to friend uh, and we have high levels of trust with each other. It's a wonderful opportunity to have relationships like that. And that's how it's supposed to work when you team up. Right. But at the beginning, maybe uh, one of us trusted the other one more. Who knows what our trust levels were, but we still extended it. And so what's interesting is maybe your trust level isn't real high, but if I give you full trust, that starts moving us in that right direction of trust, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a powerful thing just because somebody else may not trust me yet. I still get to give trust away and have it uh, come into fruition and grow. And unfortunately, what I've learned in my life is the same as this uh, quote by Ernest Hemingway in the bottom left-hand corner. So the best way to find out if you can trust somebody is to trust them. And so that, that's when you find out how it really works. But usually when you do this, usually you're very pleasantly surprised and then trust goes to a whole new level. That's what we want, of course. And the high, remember what we said, the higher the level of trust, the greater the team. We also said at the very beginning, we're looking for a cohesive team. The more connected we are, the more effective we are. And the framework that we're working at is actually called connectedness equates to effectiveness. And that is going to take some confidence that we have in each other. And that's going to take some bumps maybe to find out that we actually have confidence. But we all, we all have an opportunity to not only extend trust, but to work on our own personal character, right? Yeah. And the things that make us competent so that others can trust us. That, that integrity is, is pivotal uh, in this. But, you know, sometimes uh, even when there is a, a good degree of trust, sometimes we don't always agree. Sometimes the board doesn't agree with the superintendent or vice versa, or sometimes the school district uh, are not always simpatico with the, um, with the community. And so when we find that sometimes uh, there's a little um, friction or disagreement or contention, <laughs> what are some techniques that that those joining us today, well, how might you handle that? And we see there was a question there. I said we we're going to go to it. But what about uh, when the superintendent or community, uh, you know, don't particularly agree on their own goals? And I'm going to expand it a little bit and just say they don't agree. Absolutely. What I liked about what you said earlier, because I just started smiling because I started thinking when you said, you know, maybe the uh, district and the community aren't eye to eye on some levels. Can I tell you, Kai, that in my 18 years of the board, I don't, I don't think there was ever a time when the whole community was eyeball to eyeball. I mean, we thought we were doing good till we had to close this, or we thought we were doing good till we raised teacher salaries, right? You think you're doing pretty good, and then you find these other areas. And so there's often different segments within it that may not be completely where we're at, where you said earlier, there may not be full agreement with the outcomes that are being considered, or even the outcomes that come into fruition. The most important thing for me on that 
it's not I have the expectation everybody's always going to agree with me, but that we've had the right conversations to get to the right outcome, and that I can trust that those who are in leadership are going to move them things that are uh, moving forward that really are student centric. And so you've got to look at it and say, can I tie this back to a student centric outcome? And I think that that's imperative for us to do that. And we see it in communities where there's like mine, where we have a high level of military retired families. And when we got on the board, they were saying, we don't want our, we don't want to pass bonds and levies. We hadn't passed a bond and levy in 14 years when I got on the board. And so when you needed the extra incomes for technology or real innovative things like that, they told us as a board, well, that's not going to happen. Bonds and levies don't pass here. Why not? Well, they looked at the demographics. They said some of the retired community don't want their taxes raised. And so we went out to the community and said, do you want these kids who are living in our community to be well-educated and set up for success in life? Are you, do we want them to be able to know how to utilize technology and compete in the global market? They start saying, well, if that's what you're doing, yes. You know? So we're willing to do that. But we now have to move off of you know, our own agenda, our own place, and see it as the whole community. We may not get exactly what we want, but if we're moving things to set children up for success in life, we're moving in the right direction. That's where we have to go. So if we go to the next slide, what we do is we're willing to have hard conversations with people. And I think this is where board members really earn their money. Because first of all, we have to have hard conversations with each other. We have to learn that, hey, my agenda isn't always your agenda, but we're going to believe that if we come together, we're going to create a better agenda for all. It's hard work. So what we do is we call this the ability to have a conversation reset so that we have collaborative uh, solutions, that we're creating those. We, we want to move away from that um, negative mindset that says, hey, we have conflict. We, want, we need conflict management or conflict resolution. You know, there is time where you're going to have to have some direct conflict management. But the more proactive way to approach it is, why don't we have a conversation reset? Why can't we have a conversation instead of making it like conflict or a confrontation. And can we have a conversation? Because we actually believe that when we come together and we're a healthy board and we're listening to the superintendent, we're listening to the community, we're listening to the district and students, we're going to come up with some ideas that are going to be uh, able to move the right things forward. And so that's what we want to do. We want to increase our ability to stay together and be connected versus inadvertently growing in confrontation and or contention. So if you look at this chart, it's very helpful. On the left, you see contention, which is when we come at it from that negative mindset, which is I want my way. When you go down that, what we see is that uh, you're already, as soon as you're saying my way or my agenda, you're actually excluding the opportunity to grow because you're just going to get what you can get, right? But growth means that we're able to bring other things into that system, into that mindset. And so that's why we need other people. That's why we're on a board. I like to say it this way, guy, you didn't run to be the school board director. You ran to be on the school board. So you're part of a board, you're part of a team. You actually believe that there's gonna be a collective greatness that we can all sacrifice and work towards. It's gonna be in the best interest of our communities. I I think that's worth (laughs) it. Can you say that again? I don't want anybody to miss that. All right, so the reality of it is, is that when a school board director ran for this elected position or was appointed into that position, you didn't get elected just to be a school director. You got appointed or you were elected to be a school board member and or director. That means you were being part of a board, part of a team. And the power of that is our communities know that we don't want just one voice represented. 
We want the community. So we can bring our voice, but our voice needs to be able to, to come into a higher level of connection with the other voices. And so that's the beautiful work of being on a team. And I think you have every right to be aware of the constituents that voted for us. I think you also have a responsibility to be aware of your constituents that are called students that don't even have a right to vote. And so that's where you get to bring these things together. And I'm, I always communicate it, Kai, back to the people who elected me, that these are the reasons we're doing this as a board. It has to do with your concerns, just like I had an agenda, you folks had agendas too, but there's other agendas and there's other people and there's other needs out there. We've got to pull them together for that collective greatness. And so we have to communicate, otherwise we will fragment into moving to this area of isolating different special interests or else doing what's better for the whole. And sometimes I talk to those who are constituent driven and they'll, they'll tell me, well, is we don't like special interest groups. You're kind of being one, right? We need to be open to hearing from all segments of our community. So if it's one person in the community, it's like a board director on a team. It's all. So that that's a commitment that I have. What I've recognized, though, is it's not easy to get there. Sometimes we're, when you have these hard conversations, especially in public settings like board members often have, a lot of our meetings are in public. And it can be very um, you know, emotionally charged. And what we want to do in our, if we're really being collaborative, is we want to disarm our emotions to a certain level to where it's not, hey, I, it's us against them, but it's us. It's us coming together. And so we want to always have that mindset. And that's, that's a healthy emotion. When you, when you bring to it, we are a team, we ran on a team, it moves it in a healthy manner. The behaviors that I'm always looking at, you know, I was board president for seven plus years, and what I always looked at was when somebody says they're being collaborative, because this is what people do. Well, I'm just being collaborative. Or they're saying, I just have the student's best interest in mind. But if you're making accusations, then you're not really being collaborative. If you're asking questions, we're moving to deeper levels of understanding. But accusations, it's, it's, a, it's a clear acid test. So we need to train our board members on how to engage the community and to be careful that we we give opportunities to ask questions versus accusations. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I think I, I think John had our, our slide deck because he's just setting you up and he asked the right question. Speaking of question, he goes, how does a superintendent navigate the realities? And I think that's a great segue into uh, your next slide. Just so how do we do it? What are the tactics and techniques? Yeah, well, we do is we recognize if we if we as a board can have these harder conversations and have meaningful conversations, collaborative conversations to help us to know the most important initiatives to work on. If we can do that, then we've already begun the process of giving voice to the community. Community voice is imperative to be able to drive the initiatives of the district. Otherwise, it's going to be it could be this segment of the board wants this or these people want that. And you have a superintendent that's literally trying to build structures to educate each and every child, right? That, that is a hard, hard job. Oh, by the way, it's not only just each and every child, but there's state requirements, there's federal requirements. And so there's limited resources. So you have all these difficult opportunities that come together to make sure that we move the right things forward. So what we say is that we're going to allow the community to share their concerns. We've heard from the community. And then we're also at that same time building the initiatives that we know 
are going to be the ones that will be the most important for the district in this season and align to the superintendent district's expertise. So we're building that. Once that's built, now we've said we've had the community voice. We've, and again, Akai, this is an all-day workshop that we do uh, to be able to create the beginning work of community engagement. But you've got to have the community voice, the community concerns being voiced in a positive, in the most positive manner that you can and build. But if the board isn't modeling that, you'll never get here. And so my concern to answer the question is do the boards really know how to come together to be a cohesive team to agree? To, and if there's disagreements to do it in an agreeable fashion to where we're moving to a place of saying, okay, I'm going to be supportive of these initiatives because they're in the overall need of this moment. And we have the superintendent and the district's expertise to be able to implement these. So this is what we can do. And this is what we're, we're moving forward now. Yeah. When we're there, we have the solidified our own goals. We've built some district strategic plans. And then also with that, we have the evaluation so that we can monitor the progress and monitor the behavior of the board so that they're not inadvertently undermining the very process that we're trying to build. Then it cascades down to the of course, the schools, the teachers, and the students. And in this, we're creating a dashboard now that we bring back to the community. Well, Marty, you know, one, one of the things, and I like the questions that we're, we're seeing in the chat, you know, it's this is easy, say, hard, do. We have that big blue arrow. You know, where are yeah. we? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? What are we going to do when we get there? But it, but it's, you know, but it's often very circuitous, right? And so I know today we just had a limited amount of time. I know we have a few, few more minutes, and I want to be able to get to some some uh, questions in, in the chat and receive some more. But could you just take a moment and just talk about how we actually how this actually um, sets up for a district? There are four pillars. Mm-hmm. We can uh, start out by having a in a retreat setting. Do we do it in a public board hearing? And just maybe a little bit of the um, of the of the of how we execute this and how we work with the school with the school district to do SOPs accountability, et cetera. Yeah, the work for uh, a school board is very dynamic and very unique. And so you you can't just have generic training. And so the training that we bring in also has to be able to fit within the structures that these school districts and school boards have, right? And so oftentimes the school board will have a all-day retreat one or two times a year. Sometimes we go to NSBAs, sometimes we go to state conferences to be able to get training but to your earlier point, a lot of that training is more governance related or networking than it is in terms of how to build these cohesive teams to move the right initiatives forward. So what we do is we find where there's a need and an interest uh, in a district, and we're able to then begin conversations to where we take these four main pillars that we have. In fact, we should just go back three or four slides. Let's do that to the uh, high-performing boards. So if you'll go back, thank you. There you go. So what we'll do is we'll say, all right, superintendent, where's your district at? Are you new? You know, what are some of the needs that you have that you have right now? Then we get the superintendent and the board chair hopefully together, and we can co-construct some opportunities to be able to move their initiatives forward. I like the fact that we began this or you began it with the things that were applicable to them. So even the questions, which which ones of these are are really are you seeing so we look at it and we say are the are the roles clearly defined do you have sops we look at your work if if they are maybe you just need to to refocus them do you have two new board directors then we probably do need to rebuild them right is, is the new 
if you have two new board members, in a sense, you must have a new board, right? Is their voice in the SOPs? Are they in agreement with it? Same thing with uh, shared vision around student success. We'd come in and do an all-day retreat. Do you do you have a tagline, or do you have a shared vision that is around student outcomes, and that the board members and our directors, all the district, everybody can see where they fit into that, and that their voice is a part of it. Have we built that? So we'll come in, and, and that's usually an all-day retreat as well to solidify it. But that really sets us up to do everything well. That shared vision around student success is imperative because then you can come in and you build the accountability plans and evaluations. And, and when you've done that again, when you get these three things right, now community engagement is going to go in the right direction. It's hard to do community engagement. Like you said, it's easy to see hard to do. But if you've done the hard work of one, two, and three, when you get to the community engagement, not only are you finding the people who really want to partner with us, but they become our future board members, board directors, right? They're the ones who are coming in to finish the work, and they're not starting at ground zero like we did. What did we get into? They actually know exactly what they're getting into, and they want to be a part of that work. So we do it in those retreat settings. We also offer executive coaching because it's, it's important to work with school board presidents. Most of us as school board presidents, I as a school board chair, nobody trained me. So I'm so fortunate I had an undergraduate degree in urban planning and a background with Robert's Rules and, and Order because I knew some of the mechanics, right? And I knew how, how to move some initiatives forward and build team. But a lot of our board chairs, they're not sure how to handle some of the conflict in public meetings in other areas. So we've not to mention even with other board members. So we've got to do some executive coaching in those areas. We offer that. And then the last thing that I, I think is very helpful is that we also do some work sessions where we come in and maybe just do a 90-minute work session. We can do it virtually. But just it solidifies the work that, that a school district's already created some momentum around. Hey, Marty, thank you. I appreciate that. And if we can advance to uh, the slide, um, keep going, keep going, keep going. There you go. This is this is one of my one of my favorite slides, uh, and, and I know it sounds a, just a little bit cheesy, right? You know, from the from the boardroom to the to the classroom. But the reality is, we know that in order to um, improve student achievement and set these students up for success. We have to go from tooth to tail, from end to end, right? From the uh, from preschool to uh, leadership pipeline, and so this is just a quick graphic to really just show how you can inculcate shared vision and common language if we're using some of the tools that Franklin Covey has in terms of speed of trust, uh, four disciplines of execution, great boards, leader in me, et cetera, et cetera. I won't uh, belabor that point because I know we have a lot of folks uh, joining us that are familiar with uh, Franklin Covey education already. Um, but to your point, to your point, Kai, that is very important because this enables us to do more than just navigate it, you know, or to, to survive it or get through it, right? This is how we create a common language. We create a new culture. We want a common language. We want a shared vision. We want a culture of excellence that really is student-centric. So this is this is important, and I, I know why you like it, because you are about culture. You're not about surface-level things. You want things to, to be right. And sometimes our superintendent board directors are going to move on, but if you've created this, it stays.
So I know we have a few more minutes, and I know some on the East Coast might be aching to uh, to get to dinner or what have you. Uh, I know we've seen a lot of, of questions in the uh, in the chat box, and I uh, truly appreciate those. I just want to uh, take a minute uh, with the with the few remaining minutes we have. If there are some additional questions we'd like to uh, address in the chat box, please uh, uh, go ahead and put those in there. Abby, if you could advance to uh, one more slide, uh, one more slide. There you go. And so while we have a few minutes waiting on anything to go into the uh, to the chat, that's a QR code. We really, really appreciate uh, you joining us um, for this overview. Uh, that QR code um, will take you to a short survey. I believe there's only maybe two or three questions, your name, your organization. And is there any additional information you'd like to learn about? Uh, we're going to reach out to you. There's a link in the chat as well. Reach out to you and we'd um, love to connect with you outside of uh, this venue, um, either virtually or or maybe in person. And Kai, thank you that there's this opportunity for them to reach out to so that we could follow up. We really also want to say, because you and I are doing this work, just thank you so much to the educators that we see on this call. And everybody on this call is an educator, even if you're trying to learn how to do this internally. Uh, investing in our students and our communities right now is so well received, and we want to support you in that. But just hear us say thank you for the work you're doing, educators. Okay. Looks like we're on that on that time. I think what we can do is uh, maybe even return uh, two minutes to your to your day. <laughs> I really want to just say thank you to everyone who uh, who joined us here this uh, today, this early evening. We look forward to connecting with you. Um, and thanks to uh, Wallace and to Abby from our Franklin yeah. Club who are helping us out run this. Uh, our fearless leader who's not here with us today, Christina Luthold, who's the uh, MD for Franklin Covey uh, and in charge of our great boards team. So once again, thanks everybody for joining us. We hope you'll fill out uh, that quick survey and we'll catch you next time. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.